um, into today's lesson. I was praying about where God would have us to go. And if you have the notes already that are available in the, in the back, um, you can see we're going to be returning to our series on being more than conquerors. Uh, we did take some time over the summer, or actually over most of last year, to study the idea of rightly dividing the word. And we concluded that series. And then we looked at the idea of understanding our enemy uh, for five weeks. And then we went into some Christmas study and enjoyed looking at the Christmas story over 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 three weeks and kind of have one last lesson uh, together and was we're going to return to the series here. But again, looking at how the structure uh, is changing, this is probably going to be the last series I teach or this last lesson I teach in this series for a while. So we're going to kind of kind of stop it in the middle and it'll just have to hold off until we have time to teach again. So we've been working through since 2018 this um, series on being more than conquerors and uh, looking at things biblically that we need to overcome as Christians. We started at the letter A and we worked all the way through. Anger, bitterness, a critical spirit, discouragement, envy, uh, fear, gluttony, a hard heart, all the way through, and uh, um, we are now at, I stopped there because I can't remember the rest, um, but we are now at the letter T, and when I initially set up this series, and uh, I like to I like to try to plan things ahead, I set up in 2018 all of the lessons that I wanted to teach, and for the letter T, I had overcoming the thought life, very important study, very important thing that we as Christians need to overcome. There's things that we, if we can get a hold of, we'll see victory in a lot of areas of our lives. James talks about the tongue being that way. If any man can control his tongue, he's able to bridle his, bridle his whole body. And the mind is that way as well, that we need to learn to overcome our thought life, control. The Bible says, bring into captivity every thought um, that exalteth itself against God. And so we need to control our mind because our mind controls our actions. And so that was an important lesson. But because today we're kind of Capping off this series for now, I wanted to back up and do a little bit more of a, a broad topic instead of dealing specifically with the thought life. Uh, the whole series is about overcoming sin and temptation. So we're going to return to the idea of temptation, overcoming temptation as believers. And if that sounds familiar, a uh, pastor taught a lesson on overcoming temptation in September, the second week of his series on how-to that we do on Thursday nights. I know many of you are downstairs in the Master Club's classes and, and whatnot, not here for those services, but he did teach on that topic, and we're not going to uh, redo his lesson, but as Christians, uh, something we need to be reminded of uh, regularly, that we need to be seeing victory in our lives, overcoming temptation, so we're not constantly living in defeat but instead living in victory. We think about this idea, I, I kind of had written in here a joke of, of asking you how many of you remember that he taught that lesson or could remember the acronym he gave for us over overcoming temptation um, and to see what the response would be. But I was meditating on that thought yesterday a little bit and just when was the last message that really changed our lives? You know, Pastor gave this idea a few months ago, and we're reminding ourselves of that same idea again today of that we need to overcome temptation. But it's easy to get into a habit as a Christian of coming to church and going through the motions of hearing the preaching. And I'm not expecting that every message that I preach or every message that Pastor preaches changes everybody's life every time you come to church. But 
messages should do that. The Word of God should be making changes. And I took some time yesterday to reflect what was the last message that really made a big impact on my life. And, uh, and, and I would encourage you to do that. Reflect on that idea. You know, when was the, I heard a message on overcoming temptation. Have I seen victory against temptation since I listened to that message? Or did it come in one ear and out the other? Just reflecting on that. Now, Pastor and I have an advantage because when we prepare a message, we get a lot more out of it than, than we're able to give to you. And so I was thinking back, and there have been some messages recently that really have impacted my life. But sitting down and thinking about messages that I've sit and heard and listened to, are, are those making an impact on me. So I encourage you to do that. Reflect on uh, how many changes is God making in your life, especially with a message like this idea of overcoming temptation. It's vital for you as a Christian if you want to live in victory to overcome temptation. So we're going to study this idea in the Word of God and give you some practical advice. Um, but we're going to we're going to come. I have a little bit of the practical at the very end of the lesson. But I really want to emphasize the spiritual victory that's available to us, and you'll see that as we go into our study. Our verse we're going to start with is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15. I don't think I gave you the chapter, but that's where we're beginning. We'll come back and talk about this verse a little bit later in the lesson, but this is where I wanted to start this morning. There in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, the Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Just like you and I, Christ faced temptation, but he came through the temptation without sin. He came through and he overcame temptation. And that's the thought we want to go with today. How do we as Christians get to the place or grow to the place where when we encounter temptation, we can see victory instead of defeat? I'm not going to talk, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. This isn't talking sinless perfection that we're we're getting at. We're talking about seeing victory consistently in your life as a believer, that when you encounter temptation, you can make the right choice. You can please God uh, in the decision that you make. Let's open with a word of prayer and ask God to bless the thought this morning. Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for your word uh, and what it can do for us, how it can change us, Lord, how it can impact our lives. Lord, you want us to be Christians who are living in victory, as the title of this series is, More Than Conquerors. That is right out of your word that you want us to see victory and be more than just a conqueror. Lord, I pray as we study this idea of temptation in your word, that we would see uh, victory in our lives, that the thoughts we hear today would change us, that we could grow uh, and be more of what you'd have us to be, more like Christ. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So beginning this morning with the idea of temptation, we want to start by defining it biblically. What is temptation? Now, there's different types of temptation that we find in the Bible, and briefly give you a couple examples of these. The first type of temptation we see in the Bible is that there's temptations that are simply, the, uh, it's a word that God uses to describe the struggles that we encounter in our daily life. Just things that we go through and struggle through and, and difficulties that we deal with that are part of life, those are described as temptations in the Bible. In James chapter 1, verse number two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The thing about this kind of a temptation, this the general struggle of life, is that these temptations, they build your character. They develop your spiritual character. 
Uh, when I was a teenager, I remember going to a restaurant uh, called Jack in the Box. Anybody know what a Jack in the Box is? All right, worst tacos in the world that you can get for 50 cents. And so we went to Jack in the Box, and I, they were having one of those promotions where you peel the sticker off, and, and you could win a, win a free food item or something. And I got one of the large drinks, and I peeled my sticker off, and the sticker said, Losing builds character. Can you feel your character building? Um, and so quite a nice way to say that you lost uh, the competition this time. Uh, but temptation and the idea of a struggle or a difficulty is something that helps to build you to grow and to develop your spiritual character. There's lots of different types of these temptations. There are, there are struggles that are related to our circumstances. Uh, when your car breaks down, just, just, a, just a trial, just a temptation that you go through, that you, you deal with and you struggle with. Uh, when food prices go up, you, you, just, you just deal with, with those difficulties. When it gets ridiculously cold outside for two weeks straight um, and, and, uh, and all the water freezes and pipes break and things like that, it's just difficulties and struggles of life. There's struggles that we have related to people. Uh, when somebody misses an appointment, if you've ever tried to sell something on Facebook or Craigslist, you know that people do not show up for their appointments. Um, and uh, they just, it's, it's just frustrating and, and just a struggle that you, that you deal with. That you, I've moved my whole schedule around to be here when you said you'd be here and you didn't show up and you didn't let me know you weren't coming. And, and two hours later, I asked you if you were coming still and you didn't respond and just a struggle that you deal with. Uh, maybe when a respected person lets you down, somebody you, you counted on, somebody you relied on uh, that lets you down. Maybe someone just is is very annoying and, and, and it's a struggle to have to deal with. My uh, wife is bothered by the way that I eat popcorn. I, I eat it too loudly, apparently. Um, and so if we're sitting eating popcorn, she'll go to the other room just because it, it you know, sometimes there's things about other people that, that bother you. And it's just something you have to deal with, the struggle you deal with. There's struggles just related to the fact that we live in a fallen world. We have health struggles. Uh, we have difficulties. Uh, our bodies wear down. Uh, people die. Uh, the decay of things uh, around you, that, that thing that you, you, that room you repainted when you moved in, all the paint looks dingy again, and you have to do it again. Just struggles related to life. These, these build our character. I want to emphasize, though, that these are different than consequences. Struggles, there are struggles that just are part of life that we have to deal with, and then there are struggles that we bring on ourselves because of the decisions that we make, and those are called consequences. There's a law woven into the fabric of reality known as sowing and reaping. Uh, It's also called the law of reciprocity is the very technical term. Trendy word today, uh, people use, they call it karma, although that has Buddhist origins, uh, that that word does, but what people, most people mean is consequences. You do something bad, something bad's going to happen to you. You do something good, something good is going to happen to you. God set that up in society. But we can sometimes get a victim, or in in the Christian term, we'd call it a martyr's mentality, uh, when we are dealing with struggles, and we are actually, what we're trying to do is spiritualize the results of our bad decisions. They say, oh, I'm just suffering for Jesus, and and the power company uh, turned off my power. Well, no, you went on a vacation you couldn't afford. Um, that's not suffering. That's not suffering for Jesus because you didn't you didn't pay your bills because you made bad choices. Um, I remember seeing a movie one time, a long time ago, uh, where one character ran into another one later on in the movie, and it was a different circumstance. They said, hey, why, why aren't you working at this place anymore? And they said, well, I kind of outgrew that position, and I wasn't reaching my full potential, and they caught me stealing apples. Um, and so they... <laughs> trying to spiritualize uh, uh, the bad decisions and the consequences that you, that you deal with. I saw something the other day. It said um, that most of the time, instead of WWJD, I need a bracelet that says JPWNHGHITSITFP. 
Jesus probably would not have gotten himself into the situation in the first place. Um, that's, that's, the, that's what I need. Um, deal with consequences. So consequences that you struggle with uh, are different than just these temptations who are struggles of life. Let me say that difficult times and build strong people. So let me encourage you to embrace difficulty. Do not always look for the easy way out. That's why when somebody wants to lose stairs, well, they won't lose stairs, lose weight, they take the stairs. All right. When you want to, when you don't want to lose weight, you lose the stairs. Forget it. I'm going up the elevator. Right. Um, that you you want to embrace difficulty. Difficulty builds strength. And let me encourage you that our parents do not withhold difficulty from your children. Amen. This is this mentality. Uh, withholding difficulty from children is what produced the millennials. Uh, my generation is that parents said, I don't want my kids to struggle the way that I did. And then no struggle was, and was embraced and no, no strength or character was built. Your struggles are what made you who you are. And you should want that for your children. Keep your children away from the evil, the uncertainty, or, or the fear, or, or these negative things that you experience, maybe, as, or had been exposed to. But do not keep, keep them away from responsibility and difficulty. Amen. Someone said, difficult times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Then weak men create difficult times. We're living in a difficult time right now because we have a generation of weak men um, who, who were not given difficulty as, as they grew up. And, uh, and a soft society builds a difficult society. So difficulty is good. Go embrace this idea of the struggle and, and it builds your character. So that's one type of temptation in the Bible is a temptation that's just kind of a struggle of life. Another way that temptation is used in the Bible, temptation is used to describe a trial that God specifically puts into your life to test your spiritual character. God will give you something hard, not just as a part of life, but I want to see and I want to show you what you're made of spiritually. That's a temptation. First Peter 1 verses 6 and 7 describes this. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So a test that God puts into your life to test your spiritual character. So if you remember, the first type of temptation builds your character. The second type of temptation reveals your character. It, it brings to light where you are at. It's a test of your obedience and your faith. The most direct example of this we see in the Bible is Abraham. Abraham offering his son Isaac. That was a temptation from God to Abraham to see, let me show you and let me see where your faith is at. Are you willing to be obedient to me? And God stopped him and said, I see now where your faith is. You did not withhold your son, your only son from me. And God emphasized that and saw that. That was a test put into Abraham's life to reveal his spiritual character. Another example is Job. Now, there was an element that there was a temptation to sin of cursing God uh, mixed in, but the, the test that God allowed was to test, see if Job will stay faithful. And, uh, and Job passed the test. That's a different type of temptation in, our, in the Bible. God puts these into our lives to reveal our spiritual strength. We see struggles build our strength, and these reveal the strength that was built. Think of a, um, like a martial arts tournament. Uh, when you go to a martial arts tournament, you're not going there for training. You're going to reveal what the training did. 
The training happens day to day, struggle, struggle, fight, and, and you, you spar and you interact and you, you work out. That's the struggle where you build the strength. Then you have the tournament. That's where what was developed is put on display. And God does the same thing. He allows us to go through trials and struggles and, and see how we act and we, we, we grow and develop. And then he'll put us into a trial to reveal that faith that was developed over time. So that's another type of temptation that's described in the Bible. Israel's faith was displayed when the walls of Jericho fell, but it was developed for 40 years in the wilderness as they saw, okay, God said, time to get up and move to another place because the cloud's moving. Let's pack up the tent. Let's go to a new place. Okay, God said to stay here. Every day they walked out of the tent, they looked at the cloud, and that told them what they were going to do that day. So when it came to Jericho and God said, okay, we want you to walk around the city. All right, God's had us walking around the wilderness. We've listened then. Let's listen now. Their faith was displayed. During the wilderness, their faith was built. And so those are two types of temptation in the Bible. And then what most of us are familiar with or what our mind goes to when it comes to temptation is the temptation to sin. This is, um, this is what is brought into our life to try to cause us to fail, to try to cause us to go into sin. James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 describes this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So you have some temptations that build character, some temptations that test character, and then there's a temptation that tries to destroy your spiritual character. These are the three primary temptations in the Bible, building character, testing character, and destroying character. What God is developing in your life, Satan wants to destroy. When God is doing construction, Satan is trying to do destruction and demolition. It's so much easier to, to destroy than it is to build. If you've ever built something, it's very, it's very difficult to build, but it's very easy to destroy. My boys are getting very good uh, at, at Legos. They'll, they'll put Legos together, and they'll make something, and they'll bring it to me, and they'll show me, and, and they're, they're put in that investment of building and putting the time in to make something nice. Now, Carolina is not very good at building. She is, however, very good at destruction. And so my boys can both spend about an hour of their time building some elaborate thing and come tell me to come look, and in the 15 seconds they're gone... It can be completely destroyed by their sister because destruction is so easy when it comes to building. And then the boys, of course, are, 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 are very distraught at the fact that what they had built had been destroyed. And, uh, and you have to console them. Well, we can pick up the pieces and we can build it again. God's working on you as a Christian and it spends a lot. It takes a lot to build and to grow. Sermon after sermon after sermon, day after day of being in the Word of God, prayer and faith and decisions at the altar, and you're growing, growing, growing as a Christian, and then Satan brings temptation and knocks it all down. And the heart of God's broken, and he has to console himself with the fact that I can pick up the pieces and build it again. But how much better if we don't allow the destruction to take place? That's the overcoming temptation that we're going to be talking about this morning. So where does temptation come from? Where, where does temptation come from in our lives? We saw the verse in James already that temptation does not come from God. Now, the type of temptation that develops your character and that tests your character comes from God. But the type of temptation that brings you to a place where you're, you're given the option to, to fail and to destroy your life and to fall into sin, that does not come from the Lord. James 1.13 says very clearly, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God can bring about temptation in the sense of the trials um, that we go through, but not temptation to sin. 
when it comes to God and, it are, and the, the temptation to sin, we see there's an opportunity that God has to keep you back from sinning. This happened to a king um, in Genesis chapter 20 when Abimelech had taken Abraham's wife and he, and he talked and God confronted him about it. And Abimelech said, I didn't know. And God says, yes, I kept thee from sinning. I kept you back from, from, from committing the sin because of, of your ignorance. So that's something that God um, can do. God can keep you away from opportunities to sin. This is why in the model prayer, Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. Don't, 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 put me, don't, don't let me get into this position where, where I'm facing this temptation because I don't know if I have the strength to, fall, to, to stand for you. So God can keep us away from that temptation. God can, God can keep us from sinning, but very often we get ourselves in this position. We are faced with temptation that comes into our life, and then, the, then it's our choice whether or not we will overcome temptation or whether we will, we will fall. Temptation comes from the three enemies of the Christian. Temptation comes, first of all, from the devil. We took some time a couple weeks back to study the devil and, and his relationship and what he is trying to accomplish um, in our lives. But Matthew 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So the devil can bring temptation to sin into our life. The world also brings temptation. 1 John 2, 15-17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. We usually talk about temptation. We say there's these three types of temptation. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. This verse says that comes from the world, is where that temptation comes in. So there is a temptation that comes from the world, and then there's a temptation that comes from our flesh. James 1, verse number 14. But Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. So your flesh will bring you to temptation. The world will put all kind of glittery things in front of you to tempt you. And Satan also brings temptation into your life. That's where temptation comes from. I want you to see, though, this morning what God has to say about temptation. Uh, there's lots that we could look at, but I want to go to four passages in particular to see this morning what does God say. And, and this can give us some hope, I believe, for victory. If you take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, kind of a go-to verse when it comes to uh, temptation, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians 10, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. This is a promise, a promise from God to you as a Christian that yes, you're going to face temptation, but it's, it's not something that only you deal with. It's something that everybody deals with. It's common to man. There's temptation out there, and it's a common temptation, um, but God is faithful. Even in the midst of your temptation, God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. What does that mean? That means no temptation you faith, face are you forced to comply, because God will never allow a temptation to come into your life that you can't say no to. Every temptation you face, you have the strength and the ability to say no. Every single time. God has given you, the, uh, uh, He has limited the temptation to your ability to say no. And it's a promise from God about that. You will experience no temptation that you cannot have victory over. Every temptation has a way of escape. 
God has made a way of escape for every temptation. When you're there and you're facing a struggle that you deal with and it may be a besetting sin, it's there and you feel overpowered, there is a way of escape and you can have victory. God promised it every time. God promised it. So when it comes to giving in to temptation, either God lied or you chose to be defeated. Because God said you can have victory, and God said that there is a way of escape. So if you did not escape, God lied or you chose defeat. That's a promise from the Word of God. Hebrews 4, verse number 15, we read it already, so we won't go back there. But this is the verse that we looked at Jesus, that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And this is given to us in the Word of God. Jesus is our example. He's what we are to be living up to. We are to be like Christ. That's what our name means, Christian, a follower of Christ. We need to be like Christ is. Christ faced every temptation that you face, and he did it without sin. Yes, he, yes, he is God, and he does not have a sin nature, but he faced temptation, and he saw victory, and he is there as a pattern for us to follow. If we are told that he faced these temptations and overcame them, he made it possible for us to do so as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, another passage I want to look at together. 1 Peter chapter 1. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 14 through 16. This is where the Bible tells us that Jesus is our example in this matter. Verses 14 through 16 of 1 Peter 1. As obedient children... Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. He said, I've been holy. I want you to be holy. It's a command from God. What is he saying in the beginning of the verse? As obedient children, that means he's talking from a father to a child. I want you to be obedient. Obedient to who? Obedient to God, your Father. And he says, not fashioning yourself according to the former lusts of your ignorance. What does that mean? Don't live the way you did before you got saved. Because before you got saved, you lived under the power and the authority of sin, the law of sin. You've been saved. You've been freed from the law of sin. You're now living under grace. You have a new father, a, a, a new thing to be obedient to. And God says, don't go back and live like you lived before you were saved. You have a new way to live now. And the way to live now is to be holy, just like your example Christ was holy, who when he was tempted, he overcame it and was without sin. That's the pattern and the command that God has given to us. We are expressly instructed to follow Christ's example in this, of holiness in this passage. God has given a way to escape. He has given an example, and he's given a command in these three verses. And that leaves the ball in our court. What are we going to do with temptation? God's made everything possible. He's given us an example. He's given us an escape. And he's given us an instruction on how to overcome temptation. So as I mentioned earlier, does this teach that we can be sinlessly perfect? No. Uh, sinless perfection is not something that we can ever hope to achieve because we have a sin nature. That sin nature is with us until we die or until the rapture. You're going to have that sin nature. But what I've seen too often, and even in my own life, we use the excuse, well, I have a sin nature, to excuse our sin. And yes, we are not going to reach sinless perfection, but God wants us to be living in victory over temptation and over sin. It's very clearly seen in this passage. I'm not saying that you can, through your own effort, rid yourself of all sin. 
I am saying that through submission to Christ and the Spirit of God, you can live in victory over sin, especially sins of commission. When you know what you're doing and you choose to do what is wrong, you can see victory in those areas God's promised it to us. And God's made it possible. God's given us an example and a command. So, how do we do it? How do we overcome temptation as Christians? Let's go to James chapter 1. Just a couple pages back if you're there in 1 Peter. James chapter 1. To understand how to have victory over temptation or to overcome temptation, I want to kind of break temptation down into three parts and see, you know, there's, a, there's these areas of temptation that have to be present for someone to fall into temptation. So this is going to give us a pattern for overcoming it. If you think of a stool that has three legs, all right, that's, that's pretty stable. You can sit on a stool that has three legs. You take one of the legs off, that stool very stable anymore? Nope. Take both leg, two legs off. You're going to be able to sit on that stool? Nope. Take, one, take all three of them off. So there's three legs of temptation we see in, in James chapter 1. And if we can eliminate one of these legs, we're on a, on a much better course to be able to overcome temptation as Christians. This is laid out for us in James 1, 14 through 16. Uh, look at those verses with me. James 1, 14 through 16. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So here we see what, how does temptation take place. And if we see how temptation takes place, we can see how we as Christians can overcome temptation. The first aspect of temptation we see in this passage is what I've labeled distance. Distance. Look at the first couple words of verse number 14. Every man is tempted when he is, what does it say? Drawn away. Drawn away. When you have distance in your life, distance from what? Distance from God. When you're not walking in the Spirit, when you're not walking with God, you are in a position to fall to temptation. When you are close in relationship with God, when you're living in the power of the Spirit of God, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're close to God, then you are set up to see victory. But when you're apart from God, you're on your own. We talked about this in our lesson on, on Satan, that you can't overcome the flesh through the power of the flesh. That Satan, that whole, whole message of go ahead and bring a gun to a knife fight that we looked at, of the idea that we have, a be, we have better things at our disposal when we go to fight Satan, but when we leave those behind and stand our own, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So when we've created distance from God, we're setting ourselves up for spiritual defeat. Overcoming temptation is not primarily an exercise of the will. Not primarily an exercise of the will. You're not going to just decide, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop whatever the sin is. You can't just say, I'm going to stop being angry because I'm just going to do it. It's not an exercise of the will. It's not like you are when you're on a diet and there's the, the donuts in the back. You're like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's not an exercise of the will. It's a spiritual battle. And you have to start from a spiritual basis, and that's your walk with God. Amen. You can't just decide to do better. You're the problem in the first place. How was he drawn away? Drawn away of his own lusts. You're the problem. You're not the solution uh, when it comes to temptation. If you put your will, which is what you want, in competition with your lusts, which are what you want, you're going to be defeated. You're going to succumb to temptation. It's not primarily an exercise of the will. You must be in relationship with God and walking in the Spirit to overcome temptation. Notice the verse says you're tempted when you're drawn away. That's drawn away from your relationship with God or from walking in the Spirit. This is reinforced. This is the, this is the primary key to overcoming temptation because he deals with it twice. He says, every man's tempted when he's drawn away. You've separated from God. 
That's when you're tempted. And then verse number 16, what does he say? What does he bring them back to? Do not err, my beloved brethren. That word err means to wander off. He said, hey, here's how temptation happens. It starts when you leave God. And then all this happens and sin bringeth forth death. So don't leave God. That's how he ends the passage. Stay there. Stay in your relationship with the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. When you wander away from God, you will not overcome temptation. We have victory promised to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Talking about the power of sin. The Bible says, Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave it to you. God says, My victory, I gave it to you. You just have to receive it. It's a gift. Like salvation is a gift. God's victory is a gift. But if you leave salvation behind, the gift of salvation, you're going to face destruction. You leave God's gift of victory behind, you're going to face defeat. It's a gift God's given to you, and you get it when you walk in the Spirit of God. If you want victory, it has to come from God. Let me give you an example. of. of we're going to extrapolate a little bit, a small example, and to see how this, this is a different mindset when it comes to temptation. The scenario is you hit your thumb with a hammer. And your flesh wants you to shout an expletive. All right, that's your flesh says, here's the temptation. Uh, You hit your thumb. Here's what would make you feel better. You say this profane, ungodly thing. So if you're trying to overcome your flesh with your will, what you're going to do is it'll be something like, no, I'm not supposed to talk that way. I can't. Oh, it hurts so bad. Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Christians don't talk that way. And you could come out with a substitute cuss word. Christians have lots of those substitute cuss words that people throw out. Um, and they're not okay, just as bad as the other ones. Um, that it's not okay to have that kind of corrupt communication. Just let something else come out. All right, That's de- trying to face it in your own flesh. But hit that thumb three more times, and your will's going to not be able to stop what your flesh wants to have happen. But if you're walking in the Spirit, it looks more like this. Hit your thumb. Ouch. My flesh wants to shout an expletive. My spirit... Looks to God, says, God, what do you want me to do? God's word says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. My spirit looks to my flesh and says, nope, can't do it. God said, no. It's not, oh, I'm not, I'm going to try. I'm not going to do it. God said, no. And if I'm in submission to God, what God says is enough. I don't have a choice. God's in charge. And he said, no. Remember as a child, when maybe a friend would ask you to come over or ask you to do something, let's see a smaller example. They want you to go outside and play after church. You go ask mom and dad, can we go outside and play? Mom and dad says, no. Come back to your friend. Friend says, hey, you ready to go outside? My dad said, no. And friend says, oh, well, you want to go anyway? Dad said, no, I can't. Like they don't, they don't realize they have the volition to just disobey and as they're younger to just disobey and, and go do it anyway. God said, no, so I can't. I, I don't have the ability to do that. Because God said, because Dad said no. And that's the way if we're living in submission to God, when our flesh says, come do this, it's not a question of, of, of desire and fighting of wills. Not what I want versus what my flesh wants. What did God say? God said, no, I can't. Dad said no. And that's just, that's just the response when you're walking in the Spirit. God's in charge. I don't have to make the decision. The decision's already been made for me. That can be our attitude toward temptation when we're submitted to God. And it doesn't have to be this competition of my will versus my flesh. It's what did God say? What does my flesh want? I'm dead to my flesh, and I'm alive unto God. And God gets to be the one in charge. And that's where overcoming temptation starts and ends is my relationship with God. So do not err. Don't wander off from your relationship with God. Distance. That's the first leg of temptation. Second leg of temptation is desire. 
desire. So you see in the verse there, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts, what he wants, and enticed. That's to be entrapped by, by alluring or, 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 or catching something because you, you got its attention, like a fish lure. You put it in there, it gets the fish's attention, it goes and bites it. That's temptation is saying it's an appeal to your desires. This is a spiritual change as well. Temptation is strongest when it appeals to your desires. We go into sin because we want to. We sin because it pleases us in the moment, whether that's indulging in anger, lust, fear, selfishness, unthankfulness, idolatry, or any other sin, we do it because we want to. So we need to change our want to. And this isn't a matter of a, just a determining my will. I'm not going to like sin anymore. It's a spiritual change where God is going to cultivate a new desire in my life. We are, when we are Christ, become Christians, we're made new creatures. Being a new creature, old things are supposed to pass away and all things are supposed to become new. And that includes our desires. Did you know you can cultivate your desires? There are things that you like as an adult that you did not like as a child because you changed your taste. There are things that you liked as a child that you'll not like as an adult because you changed your taste. This year, I made a decision to start drinking some juices. Um, I've never liked any type of juice. Apple juice, orange juice, grape juice, any of it. I didn't like any of it, but I decided this year, you know what? It's an adult thing to do to like juice, so I'm going to like juice. And so I started with, uh, I started with cranberry juice, and my mom said that was the wrong one to start with. <laughs> but I did. I started with cranberry juice, and I, I, don't, I don't desire it yet, um, but I don't despise it anymore. And so I had some juice this morning, but I cultivated a taste that I didn't have before. Another example of that, I was in my office uh, about a couple months ago, and uh, I was thirsty, and uh, I had in my office some juice boxes for my kids that were Kool-Aid juice boxes, and I used to love those things. And so I'm thirsty, I have these here, let me try one. Oh, it was terrible. It was disgusting. You know, I could have done, I took one sip and I threw it away. What I could have done is I could have kept sipping on it, and after two or three of them, I might have started to like them again. I could have re-gotten that appetite. I could have gone back to the, the, the former lusts of my ignorance as a child and uh, redeveloped those tastes instead of sticking with the taste that I have now as, as an adult in, 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 my, in my new life. But as Christians, we can do the same thing. We can start to go back to the former lusts of our ignorance, as First uh, Peter talked about, and go back and taste those things we had before we were saved and redevelop that appetite. God wanted to give us a new appetite, but we come back here and start playing with the old stuff, and we get an appetite for the old stuff instead of an appetite for what is new, the spiritual appetite. Sin is that way. God gave you a new appetite for spiritual things, but if you keep going back to the old things, you're going to develop an appetite for that. And the more you go to sin, and the more you say yes to sin, the more you develop an appetite for sin. You say no to sin, no to sin, and you say yes to spiritual things. That's what you're going to be hungry for. And when temptation comes along, you say, you know what, I don't really want that anymore. That's from what I used to have, and I know what it feels like, and I know the consequences. I'd rather have this instead. Develop a different desire. The taste, develop a taste for the spiritual, and you can lose your taste for the sinful. So distance is the first leg of temptation when you're drawn away from God. Second thing with temptation is desire. What do you want? You want those former things, you want what is new. And the third one is opportunity. 
The first two are very spiritual things. Your walk with God, developing taste for spiritual things. Those are changes that God makes in you, God working in through you. This last one, opportunity, is the one you probably have the most physical control over. And that's when you are given the opportunity to sin. Because you could have a desire for sin. I could right now want to have a desire for alcohol. I have no desire for alcohol, but if I did, I could have a strong desire for alcohol right now, and I could be as far away from God as I could be right now, but there's no alcohol anywhere around. I can't commit that sin because there's no opportunity. So temptation, uh, you fall into sin when there's an opportunity to sin combined with a desire to sin combined with distance from God. So if you take out the opportunity, then you've limited yourself from being able to go into these sin. You make it harder for yourself. It's not a complete, you can't completely remove it because you can find a way around anything if you want it bad enough. But the harder you make it to sin, the the easier it's going to be to see victory. In James chapter 1, verse number 14, it says, when lust, or verse 15, when lust hath conceived, the word there um, that means to get a hold of its desire. You wanted something, and then you got a hold of it. That's that opportunity. You went to the point where you found that this is my opportunity to do what is wrong. You got a hold of that. That's this idea. So what can we do as believers to see victory? Limit your opportunities to sin. You've heard examples of people who took the radio out of their car because they were dealing with temptation regarding to music. Remove apps on your phone that cause you to, to, to covet or cause you to get angry. Uh, put restrictions on your di- digital devices to prevent you from having opportunities for lust. Give account, get accountability in different areas of your life. Get rid of uh, things in your, in your home that are evil. Uh, pour out alcohol. Throw away cigarettes. Get rid of other things of that nature. Run away from a situation like Joseph did. Joseph was there, and you know what? He didn't have an opportunity to, to, to cut it off, so he ran away. And we can do that. That's, that's eliminating the opportunity to give you an opportunity to see victory as a Christian. But it's primarily, as I said, a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle of walking with God and living in a way that it's, God said, no, I, I don't have any other option. I don't have the choice to go into sin because God said no, because Dad said no. And that's where we want to live as believers, walking with God. Don't be drawn away. Do not err. Don't wander off. And you can see victory. You can overcome. This is what happened with Christ. With Christ, when he faced temptation, he was walking with God. And he overcame temptation. When it came to temptation, he had no desire for it. There was no no appeal in Christ to say, oh, I really would like to do this. No, there was no desire there. So he overcame temptation. And then he eliminated opportunities to sin. All right? You can't eliminate all the opportunities, but if you live in the other two, you can see victory. So as Christians, we need to see temptation this way, that it has these three things. There's the being when I'm drawn away from God. There is, so the distance. There is the desire, and then there's the opportunity. And do what I can to eliminate those I can see victory in my life as a believer, because God said I can have it. He said every temptation I can have victory over. He said every temptation has a way to escape. He said I gave you an example. Christ was tempted, and he did it without sin. You have that example, and I have a command. As he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And we live as Christians. God wants us to live in victory. So are we willing to let God have complete control? Are we willing to let God have complete control? Are we willing to live that way where I'm walking with God, and temptation comes, and I see it, and instead of, oh, I can't do that because I'm a Christian, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, I can't. God said no. And I live my life in victory, overcoming temptation. That's where God wants us to be as believers.